We read in God's Word this evening, Psalm 3 and Psalm 4. Psalm 3 and Psalm 4 really constitute a pair of psalms, both speaking about sleep. Psalm 3 seems to have been written by the psalmist after a night of sleep. He wrote it in the morning time. Psalm 4 appears to be written by the psalmist in the evening before he goes to sleep. We'll read both of these psalms. Psalm 3, a psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom his son. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people, Selah. And then Psalm 4 to the chief musician on Nejanoth, a psalm of David. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing falsehood? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that say, Who will show us any good? Lord, lift Thou up the light of Thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For Thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Thus far we read God's holy and inerrant word. God add His blessing upon the reading of His holy scriptures. The verse that we take as our text tonight is the 8th verse of Psalm 4, where the psalmist says, 
I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, I do believe that the resolution of the psalmist expressed in the words, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, is a resolution that is as important today as ever it has been throughout the history of God's church. Statistics reveal that as a nation we are sleeping less and less. Approximately one-third of the United States is presently in a sleep-deprived state, having not gotten enough sleep in the past, not just night, but weeks and even months gone by. It has not always been this way. In 1942, when the United States was caught up in the greatest military conflict that this earth has ever seen, when sons, countless sons, were overseas fighting battles and mothers were at home fretting whether their sons would come back home alive or not, we as a nation slept better in the midst of World War II than what we sleep today. On average, we get more than an hour less sleep now than what we got at the time of World War II. But then one might ask the question, does it matter? There's study after study that shows that we're getting less sleep, but maybe that's not altogether a bad thing, that we're getting less sleep. Maybe one would contend that those extra weekful hours are good for us and even necessary. And that the extra hour, more than an hour that we're awake now as compared to several generations ago is an hour that's being used productively. And so there's a certain advancement here that we have because we're awake more. There is no study that would back up that claim. That the extra hour that we as a nation spend awake is being used beneficially. There are physical effects, intellectual consequences, emotional effects, and even moral effects when one continues living 
in a sleep-deprived state. Physically, one is at a higher risk of infection, stroke, cancer, and heart disease when they do not get enough sleep. Intellectually, when one is behind on sleep, they have less of an ability to focus. They also tend to be more forgetful, cannot retain information in their mind. Emotionally, when one does not get enough sleep, they are more likely to be downcast, anxious, worried, and even depressed. Morally, when one does not get enough sleep, one loses their ability to resist temptation. One becomes more self-centered, finds it more difficult to think about the needs of others, and show a genuine concern and love for the other brethren and sisters in Christ. Do you have a moral obligation to spend more time sleeping? The psalmist understood well the necessity and the value of sleep and said with the resolution that arose out of his soul, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For Thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. I will lay me down and sleep. We use that as our theme this evening. First, we'll see this was the resolve of the soul. Second, the peace of the soul. Lay me down in peace. And then third, the hope of the soul. The psalmist's resolve was, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. Sleep is something that all of us are familiar with. Even the young children understand something of the idea of sleep. And yet, remarkably, it's very difficult to know what actually happens when we are sleeping. There still is a lot of study that is to be done yet in what happens to our minds and to our bodies while we are in this state of sleep. We understand that when we sleep, we are in a state of decreased consciousness. We are not as aware of what our circumstances are. But we close our eyes, and the psalmist says we lay down in a prone position. We lay down and we sleep. And there is something to be said here as well about the order that the psalmist uses. He says, first, I will lay me down and I will sleep. He does not say, I will sleep and then lay down. Even the children understand that that is backwards. First one lays down, and then one sleeps. How important it is that there be a structure 
be a routine that we have as we get closer to that time when we want to sleep. First I lay down and then I sleep. When we are sleeping, we understand that we go through certain cycles. There's what's called light sleep, and then a deep sleep, and then a REM, rapid eye movement sleep. And so although it is the case that while we sleep, our bodies are relaxed, and although it is the case that we are in a state of decreased consciousness, Yet it is not the case that while we sleep that our minds are doing nothing. But instead our minds oftentimes are quite active while we sleep, either having dreams or processing things that we saw or heard in the day prior. The psalmist understood that he needed sleep. And he was resolved to get that Sleep. He knew that sleep was a means of refreshment. God has created us as human beings in such a way that we are not like a machine. We are not a robot that can just go on and on and on with limitless amounts of strength and energy. But God has created us as emotional thinking, willing creatures. And as creatures, there are limitations to the amount of strength and energy that we have. And so God in His love for us has given unto us several means by which our strength and our energy might be restored. And one of the primary means that God has given unto us is the gift of sleep. Psalm 127, God gives His beloved sleep. It is God's gift unto us that we are to receive with thanksgiving. The psalmist was committed to receiving this gift From God. But when? When did David have this resolve to lay himself down in peace and sleep? It is noteworthy, is it not, that David had this resolve even in the midst of adversity? The heading of Psalm 3 is a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. At this time in David's life, it was not characterized as a time of outward peace, time of outward prosperity, but it was a time of conflict and division. A great number of people had risen up against him. Many powerful soldiers and generals that previously had served in his army had abandoned him and had gone with Absalom, leading then this rebellion 
against the Lord's anointed. So strong was this rebellion that it was necessary for David to flee out of the refuge of his home and out of the city of Jerusalem and go out into the wilderness in order there to gather his troops together and be able to resist the attack of his son. Now, how would you and I by nature respond if we were in such a situation? If it was the case that there was a threat against us, and no small threat, but a serious threat. There was a threat of your own child stealing the kingdom away from you. There's the threat of God's Word not being true. God had said that David would be the one on the throne, not Absalom. And so there's the threat that God's Word is going to be shown as not being true if Absalom is successful in taking over this throne. There's the very real possibility that David is going to lose his own life as Absalom leads this lawless and wicked rebellion against him. We can only imagine what thoughts would have been racing by nature through David's mind. How there would have been dark and troubled thoughts that would have overwhelmed him. How it would have been a real possibility for David to feel that he could not lay down. That he could not give himself over to sleep how it would be necessary for him to rise up and to take on this charge that Absalom led against him. After all, from a certain perspective, was not David the man? He was the man appointed by God. From a human perspective, there was no person more important to the nation of Israel than David. Now what did this important, powerful individual do when he's chased out of his home by his own son? Did he spend all night sharpening his swords? No. Psalm 3, verse 4, I cry. Unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. We do well to take note of the example of the psalmist David because how often is not the objection heard? I'm too busy. I've got too much work going on. I've got too many responsibilities that are calling for my time and for my attention. If I don't give myself to this, then who else is going to do it? Nobody else is going to do this work. So I have to be the one who will step up to the plate. So sleep 
can take a back seat. I have to stay awake taking care of all of these matters. Was there anything more important to Old Testament Israel than that David stay alive? Was there anything, was there any man more vital to the success of Israel than the king, David? But that important man slept. Is not it often the case that it is an inflated sense of our importance that prevents us from giving ourselves over to sleep? Because we feel that we are so valued or so necessary, so relied upon that we must perform this work that then we cannot or do not give ourselves over to sleep. David was resolved, even in the midst of adversity, even when they sought to turn his glory into shame, to sleep. Where was Jesus when the boat nearly capsized? Sleeping. But one says, I understand I must sleep, but what do I do if I lay myself down and sleep doesn't come. I can keep the first part of this verse. I can lay myself down. But then sleep seems so far away from me. My mind is racing with this and that. Can't seem to turn it off. How do we sleep? And if, beloved, we are ever confronted with an individual who is struggling in that regard, we must be careful in not being oversimplistic and giving counsel to them. Simply to admonish an individual, well, you must sleep, it's important to sleep, and you should be sleeping more, probably is not going to help them be able to sleep but instead will aggravate the matter as now they feel the added pressure of feeling that they ought to be sleeping but are unable to sleep. There are times where it may be necessary to reach out for even the help of a doctor if one persists in not being able to give himself or herself over to sleep. Paul encouraged the young pastor Timothy to use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. 1 Timothy 5, verse 23. But just as important as is the advice of the doctor, in fact, even more important than the counsel of the doctor is the counsel of God's Word. And I believe that God's Word has instruction about helping us being able to 
sleep. And the thing that the main truth that the Word of God reveals unto us is the place of peace in our lives. The psalmist was able to sleep because the psalmist had peace in his soul. The psalmist said, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. And so there is a relationship here between one's, the amount of peace in one's life and the amount of sleep in one's life. And I want to demonstrate to you that this is not just one passage of Scripture that teaches this relationship between peace and sleep. But this is found throughout the Word of God. Two passages that I call your attention to. First of all, in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus 26 verse 6. God here is giving instruction to the Israelites about the importance of obeying His commandments, keeping His statutes. And then Leviticus 26, verse 6, God says, And I will give you peace in the land, and ye shall lie down. And none shall make you afraid, and I will rid evil beasts out of the land, Neither shall the sword go through your land. Notice here, God says, I will give you peace, and then what will you do? You will lie down. The same phrase used in Psalm 4, verse 8. I will lie down. And then the second passage that I call your attention to is Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel 34, verse 25, we read now. Here God says through the prophet, the 25th verse, And I will make with them a covenant of peace, and will cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land, and they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. So notice here, God says, I will establish this covenant, and it's described here as the covenant of, excuse me, peace. And because God establishes this covenant of peace, what then is possible for the Israelites? It's possible for them to sleep. And remarkably, it doesn't matter where they're at. They don't have to be in their own beds to be able to sleep, but even in the wilderness and in the woods, because God has given unto them peace. And so the Scriptures make clear, do they not, that for an individual to be able to fall into sleep and enjoy a good night of rest, it's necessary that that individual have peace in his heart and in his soul. We demonstrate this from 
the Word of God. Not so much because this is a new or a profound truth. Anyone who has struggled with sleeplessness understands that a lack of peace contributes to insomnia. But we call attention to this to show that not only is this what our experience shows to be the case, but also this is what the Word of God teaches. If we are going to allow ourselves to lay down and enjoy the good gift of sleep, it is necessary that there be peace in our souls. If there is peace in our souls, then it doesn't matter so much what our physical circumstances are. It doesn't matter if we have a comfortable bed with a comfortable pillow. It could be that we're in prison, locked up because of persecution. It could be that we have to flee unto the hills, and yet even there we can enjoy the good gift of sleep because we have peace. But lacking peace, there is no sleep. Lacking peace, the mind goes and goes and goes. Lacking peace, we fret and fret. Lacking peace, we replay in our minds words that were said throughout the course of the day gone by. How necessary is peace. So what is the peace then that is described in this text, Psalm 4, verse 8, as being necessary for a good night of sleep? We must understand here, beloved, is that the peace that the psalmist speaks of is peace in his soul. He is not describing here an outward or an external peace. There was no peace from an external perspective. For Absalom had risen up Against him, and yet he had peace. The peace was found in his soul. Recall that in 1942, when World War II raged, and when mothers wondered if their children, their sons, would come back home, they slept more than what we sleep today in a time of relative peace and prosperity. This peace that the psalmist speaks of is not dependent upon the circumstances of my life being the way that I want the circumstances to be. The peace that the psalmist speaks of here is not the removal of hardships and of trials, in our lives. The peace that the psalmist speaks of here is not that he did not have any responsibilities, that he had no callings. 
nor is the peace that the psalmist spoke of here a mere indifference to anything upon this earth. It's not as if the psalmist lived such a nonchalant, you might say, happy-go-lucky lifestyle that he didn't care about anything else upon this earth. And because he didn't care, therefore, he was able to lay his head down and sleep at night time. No, the psalmist cared. He truly cared. He loved the nation of Israel. He wanted what was best for the nation of Israel. He was so disappointed when God told him that he could not build a temple for the nation of Israel. This was a man who had given himself over to the nation of Israel, and yet he was able to sleep because he had peace in his soul. Peace is not financial security. Peace is not having a large or a comfortable home. But peace happens and is found in one's soul. Peace. It is the quiet and secure confidence that the God who in the past has supplied my every need will continue to do so in the future. Peace is knowing the Lord. I will lay me down in peace and sleep for Thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Peace knowing that your Father, who directs all things in your life, is the Lord, in all capital letters. He is Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God. It is knowing that He is the Almighty God. Not simply the highest of several other powers on this earth, but that He is the God who reigns supreme as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Knowing that He is the God who averts all evil or turns it to my profit. Peace, it's knowing that the Lord has created me in such a way that I have limitations. Peace. It's not being angry with God or upset when I am confronted with those limitations. But peace. It's the confidence, the quiet confidence of knowing that God created me exactly the way that He wants me to be. Peace. The man of peace does not take it upon himself to try to make sense of everything that is going on around him. Jesus taught this truth in the New Testament in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 27. And he, Jesus, said, So is the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seed into the ground, 
and should sleep, and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. Jesus Christ is illustrating here that this farmer who goes out does not know everything about how these plants grow up. He goes out, he casts his seed onto the ground, but is that farmer able to explain how and why exactly it is that those crops grow up? No. He plants his fields and then he goes to bed. The man of peace does not demand of God an explanation for everything that he encounters on this earth. Peace. It's living in unity with God. The opposite of peace is division, strife, enmity. The opposite of peace is being at odds with God, being in conflict with Jehovah. But peace is being one with God. And there you see, beloved, that the only way that we as Christians can have peace is through God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. For were it not for Christ, we would be at enmity with God. Were it not for Christ, we would resist the will of the Lord. But it is only through Jesus Christ and His sacrificial death at Calvary that we have peace with God. And so having been reminded this morning of the broken body and shed blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we have gladness in our heart and in our soul. And we know that we are one with God. For Thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. The hope is that God will give us everlasting rest when He takes us from this earth into heaven. See, the Scriptures speak of salvation in terms of rest. Sleeping. Jesus said, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you Rest. It's a creation ordinance set in God, set by God in place from the beginning. Six days shalt thou labor, but the seventh is a day of rest. Even the land of Canaan needed a rest at set intervals by God in the year of Jubilee. God created us as human beings so that we would enter into the rest that God has for us through Jesus Christ.
the Heidelberg Catechism and its development of the fourth commandment teaches us that already in this life we begin the eternal Sabbath. Falling asleep at night time in peace and in quietness is a picture of what happens at the time of death. The New Testament Scriptures use that very word, the word sleep, to describe those who have died in Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus... God will bring with Him. And so the same faith that gives us the ability to lay down, close our eyes, and enjoy a good night of rest is likewise the faith that gives us confidence as we face that final enemy of death. If we struggle with sleep, then let us consider some of the comforting words of God found throughout the Scriptures. Proverbs 3.24 When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Psalm 127, verse 2, It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so He giveth His beloved sleep. And Isaiah 43, verse 2, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, Thou art the one who never slumbers nor sleeps because there are no limitations to Thy power. Thou art the God who is always active, always alert, always aware of the needs of of Thy children. Wilt Thou give unto us the sense of Thy nearness that we might know that Thou art not only the great and almighty Lord, but that Thou art also our Father who dost make us to dwell in safety. Forgive the sins that we have committed even in this worship service. For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.